Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with the author of Digital Wisdom, Shelley Palmer. Great to see you. Great to be here. Thanks. So first off, you know, the book is about digital leadership and you say it's sort of a, a new twist on an old skill set. What do you mean by that? Realistically, digital leadership and regular leadership have, are not different in any way. Okay. We've come to a point where the actual, the actual word digital should just go away. Unfortunately, hmm. it can't. And I don't know why people keep wanting to put it in there, but even I didn't want to call this book Digital Wisdom. <laughs> it just should be called Wisdom. Then. But then that would just be wisdom, right? right. Thought leadership <laughs> for a connected world. But really this is about thinking and being a leader in a connected world. Whether it's digital or analog doesn't matter. There is no more analog world. There is no more offline world. There's just the world. But what's interesting, and you mentioned connected versus not connected, you discuss in the book sort of the two kinds of people. And you say that those under 25 and those above 45 are the most digitally connected. But it's important not to lose touch with those in between. Well, first of all, the reason for that is, yeah, tell is, us why. is actually kind of funny. Right. If you are a millennial, uh -huh. leading or trailing edge, doesn't matter, born after 1989, there is nothing about your life that hasn't been digital from the very beginning. Yep. This is a gigantic cohort. You're talking 80 million people. Mm -hmm. They represent about $600 billion of purchasing power. The next largest group is the baby boomers. They are basically 60 million strong and about $400 billion worth of annual purchasing power. And they're all pushing 60 right now. Right. Now, here's the funny part. If you're a millennial, leading or trailing edge, doesn't matter, but you were born after 1989, you have just been all over this every day. You were born digitally, That's basically. Right. And if your parents, who are 45 plus, have anything to do with you, you forced them to become at least digital tourists because they have to text message to find you. They, The worst day, I think, of many kids' lives is the day they realize their parents are on Facebook too. Yeah. It's like, mom, seriously, mm -hmm. do you right. need to like anything I did on right. Facebook? Uh -huh. And it's horrifying, right? right? But that's because there is a relationship between the 40-somethings and 50-somethings and their teens and their tweens. And, they need to understand and, the language their kids are using. And they all speak it. But if you were, let's say, in your 20s when all this started to happen, and then you're in your 30s and have the big job while all this is going down, you really didn't have time to get involved. So that was me. Right. It is me. I'm one of those people right in the middle. Right? And what happens is you didn't have a kid to teach you mm -hmm. because you didn't have kids yet, mm -hmm. and your contemporaries weren't into it, and you had no time or reason during work to do anything except use Outlook, which, by the way, your boss gave you. Yep. Right? This is Microsoft Office. This is what the company uses. Go. Right. That group is decidedly unconnected, and it's kind of a funny thing, really, because you find you would never expect to be in a room with a 35 to 45-year-old and have them go, yeah, I don't have much time for that. Right, and you kind of go, excuse me. Right, that's what you—that's what all, where all your time should be going when you talk to you know. The, the so the big issue is your online presence should match your offline presence and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But it's it's so much more than that right now. In digital wisdom, the book itself is a way to think about what's happening. It's not a primer. My previous book, Overcoming the Digital Divide, mm -hmm. was literally a, this is how you do life right now. This is how many email accounts you need. This is how you should set them all up. It was just a how to get how it to done, die, right? right? Literally just, this is what okay. you need to do for life. But what digital wisdom tries to cover, and I, I think I've done a pretty good job, is how do you think about the world? How do you think about your strategy and what does it mean to be a digital leader and what does it mean to be digitally wise 
now. This goes so far past Anthony Weiner or Tiger Woods. This goes so far right. past. This is closer to you're a CEO of a major multinational corporation. You wake up and 75 million accounts have been hacked. How did it happen? Why did it happen? What could you have done differently and how should you react? That's all covered in the book in various anecdotes and stories. We go realistically through not so much what to do or why to do it, but how to think about your strategic approach to living and working in a connected world. So I, mean, I like the fact that you break down digital leadership into four disciplines. You say it's a mindset, a discipline, a philosophy, and a religion all rolled into one. You have to decide that this is not for kids, it's not for somebody else, it's not someone else's job. Each day you get up, you do your exercises, mm -hmm. you eat breakfast, right. you go and you take a shower, you dress in your best appropriate business clothes, you do your regular business homework, you, and then you go to do whatever it is you do. If you're not online reading, I'm gonna say 100 Chrome tabs a day, 100 browser mm -hmm. tabs a day of news that's custom, filtered for your day right. that you've set up, if you're not doing that, somebody else who wants your job is. And so you have to have a philosophy about life that says, I'm now living in a connected world. And this, this place, this is not just a physical place or a virtual place. It's just what is. Yeah, right. and, and a lot of people still separate, well, I'm going to watch television now. I'm going to go on my handheld device. I'm going to go on my laptop. And they compartmentalize how they're going to do life because that's what we're used to doing. There's one heterogeneous, crazy world out there. And it, there are certain bits of information you're entitled to have immediately. If you don't have those alerts set up, if you're not absolutely in the in the very first group of people that get the information you're supposed to have first, you have only yourself to blame. And so that's a philosophy you have to adopt that really, and it's a religious discipline. It requires observance. Mm -hmm. I'm getting up in the morning and There's I am doing part, my right? reading. Mm -hmm. I'm getting up in the morning and I'm making right. sure my alerts are set and adaptive. Right. I'm getting up in the morning and making sure that there's nothing going to go. I don't want to get to the office and have someone tell me something that I should right. have known since before I left my house. So the point, it's a way of life. Yes, it is. It is a way of life. Now, you talk about the fact that people don't need a website. Did yes. I read that right? You they don't right. need a website. Okay. So what do you mean actually, by that? Well, it's sort of a trick phrase. Okay. You don't need a website. What you need is a mobile web experience. Okay. Right. So you need an adaptive or responsive web experience that allows people to get your data or your information anywhere, anytime, on any device in any way. And that's not a traditional website. If you were to make a classic publisher or magazine website or a static website that's not adaptive or responsive to a tablet, to a handheld in any size, mm -hmm. to a desktop, to a laptop, truthfully to a 65-inch flat screen TV, if your outward communication doesn't adapt appropriately, then you're really in trouble. So you don't need a website. What you need are two things. You need a database of the information you're trying to share, mm -hmm. a content management system of that information you're trying to share, and then numerous ways for people to look at it that use technology that are native to those devices. So there's native culturally, meaning that I'm, I'd am i never put a Facebook ad on Twitter or a Twitter ad on LinkedIn. I'd never put a piece of content that was perfect for LinkedIn mm -hmm. on Instagram. They, right. There are different cultures, right. but then there's also native technology. Why would you ever try to put something that's close up and awesome for television on a 25-foot diagonal film screen in a movie theater? You wouldn't do that. Right. I mean, the person's is going to be 15, 18 feet high, mm -hmm. you know, that may be good for impact or effect, but that's not the way you'd want to see an interview. Yet, if you're holding a small handheld device and you're doing a talking head interview, you want to cut that 
you know, here at a, basically a high chest shot or a right. medium close up, right. there's no way that you're gonna, you wanna show somebody standing in a field talking, you can't see them. It's, the, the screen is only that so big. So everything you point is, everything has its place. It does, cultural. and so having a website mm -hmm. used to be the sort of catch all phrase for, well, I'm digital, uh -huh. I'm thinking digitally, we have a website, and that's really kind of silly. You never had a website, you just didn't know what it was called. You had a database and a web browser was one way to look into that database. Okay. What I'm saying is that database is more important than ever and there are different ways to look into it, whether it's a mobile browser, a web browser that you'd have um, on your laptop or your desktop, or, or basically just a 65-inch flat screen TV with a big smart hub browser in it from Samsung. They're all browsers. They all have different requirements for the kind of content and the kind of emotional communication that you'd want to put out there because you need to be native technologically and native culturally. So no, you don't need a website. You need a database and ways to look at your content. Okay, I, I agree with that. I think that makes sense. C-Suite Radio. As I was reading the book, I was wondering your thoughts on digital detox. This digital <laughs> world we live in, it's sort of the antithesis of what this book is about. Do yeah. you think a digital detox is a good idea? So not that I think it's a good idea, digital cleansing or a Facebook cleanse, uh -huh. I recommend that all the time. Four day, seven day, 14 day. You know what? <laughs> I routinely will take my personal Facebook account and delete everybody. Just delete them all and go follow the people I want to go put new friend requests out to the friends I want. Do the same thing on Twitter, my personal account. Okay. Because... Do they get, is that, offen is that offensive? I don't care. Okay. Doesn't matter right. to me. Okay. How should you use social media? What's it for? Right. Right. That, 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 right. What's and it for, so, for you? So right. what is it? And each person has something different. It's not a popularity contest. It's a quality contest. And that's really the story in the book. Mm -hmm. Digital Wisdom is about understanding the difference between a popularity contest and a quality contest. Friend of mine beats top of mind every time. So if I could have a small number of incredibly deep, awesome connections, that's good for me. It's good for my business, it's good for everything. A million superficial connections right. looks important, right. but at the end of the day, it's not. And I have like 90 something thousand Twitter followers. Right. I don't know who most of the people are, obviously. Now, Facebook, I have a Facebook profile that has, you know, the, the Facebook fan page has whatever it has. My personal, it's like 125 people like everybody else right. in the world. It's, it's a selected few. It's, it's the, the people right. that I you know, care right. about, that I know about, that know me, where right. you know, I can make a comment that's in, not, I wouldn't call it anonymity, because you're not anonymous, but I, I can speak what I want to speak. I can say what I want to say without any right. uh, fear of someone uh, taking that out of context. Sure. I still shouldn't. Right. You wear many different hats yeah. you know, on so. a daily basis. So this is just sort of compartmentalizing exactly. and, the, and the many Shelley Palmers. And that's what we try to cover in the book, mm -hmm. right? Just how would you think about positioning yourself and what does that sure. mean? So. so that said, all of that said, is privacy dead? Does it have to be in the digital in the digital it, world we live in, or just the world we live in? Sorry, it's 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 a given that so it's digital. <laughs> it's, you know, that's a great question, and I think privacy will need to be redefined. It's very generational. If you ask someone who's a millennial or younger about privacy, a they don't care. But what's more interesting? They're like, what's privacy? Right. But but more than look, these are kids who've had to go to school through metal detectors. Some of them, so they right. they have it's a different way of life, their right. own sense of space. Has there's cameras everywhere and have been forever, and they take pictures of each other constantly. They're subject to bullying. They're subject to Snapchat. They're subject to they have tools we didn't have mm -hmm. as kids, and so. We need to redefine what privacy means. So privacy, to your question, needs to be redefined, and we will over time redefine it. If privacy, the way you and I describe privacy, if you ask, is that dead? That's been dead. It's stick a fork in it. It's done. Privacy, the way 
They will define it as yet to evolve. The NSA listens to everything. Private is not anonymous. That's not semantics, right? Because something is private does not make it anonymous, and it used to. Back in the day, if you did something that you believed was private, there was a sense of anonymity to it because although a secret is something you don't tell anybody, if you shared a secret with three people, you would expect it mm -hmm. to stay there. There's zero expectation right. of that. And by the way, uh, I think Elliot Spitzer, who, who probably sadly knows this better than anybody, you send a wire transfer that's private, it is private. It's a private wire transfer, but someone in a bank knows who sent it. It's not an anonymous sure. wire transfer. It's right. a private wire transfer. So this concept of privacy and anonymity, a little confused by a lot of, let's right. say, celebrities. And I think the takeaway is in the digital world we live in, we have to be aware of the fact that everything goes into this cloud. If you want a picture, a picture that you only want to share a private picture, take it on one of those old school things you call a camera like a Canon camera that's not connected to the cloud <laughs> and, and go about it that way. Because anytime now you, anything connected to a phone and a Wi-Fi network, it's out of your hands. I mean, so it's it might be private, but it's not anonymous. Yeah. And it's also, it's instantly available. It's instantly available. Right? The, the number that's of, the thing. it's just instantly available. If it's literally, if you make the image, if you write it down. One of the things I tell kids, we do these seminars for PTAs mm -hmm. where parents are obviously freaked out about what their children's futures are like. Eric Schmidt himself, in a speech said he thinks everyone should get a reset at age 18, completely new name, completely wiped out Google profiles because you just, the mistakes you make as a child, you shouldn't be held against you the rest of your life. Right. And this is now permanent records, right? right. It's That's in the, body, the difference of, between, right. body of knowledge of mankind for all eternity. It's true. So there's this, what I say to the kids in, in middle school, comport yourself like you're already a star, right? So what does it mean to be famous? Like a public figure. Well, so yeah, but what does that mean? Because if you've got, let's say, 50 or 60 Facebook friends and 30 or 40 Twitter followers, to that group, you're famous. So act that way, right? If, if you don't want them to see certain things, if you want them to respect you a certain way, then because the only difference between you and Jennifer Lawrence or you and Jennifer Lopez or you or anything that begins with a Jennifer that's super famous is a several million Twitter followers and several million Facebook followers. But the, but and the, a few million in the bank. But the tool <laughs> set's identical. And by the way, the scale is probably okay too because in your world going to school, in your world going to work, right. the people you're most likely to interact with, you're famous to them. You're the thought yeah. leader there. Right. And so if you act that way, that's actually a super safe way to go to business. Yeah, the it's, a super, it's the same right. premise, regardless yeah, of the amount of followers. That's a really good rule and a good way to navigate if you're part of the younger generation. I can't imagine being a millennial and having to, to be born digitally. It's really it's something to think about. And that's what this book is about. The book is called Digital Wisdom. We didn't get to a third of what I wanted to, Shelley, but uh, I learned a lot and there's so much more to get to in the book and that's why you have to check it out. Thank you for being here. If you want to check out the book, remember, go to our website, www.csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.